Welcome to According to Flint, the innovative podcast reaching beyond the Western demographic with stories, humor, and interviews. Now, here's your host, Flint Rasmussen. This episode of According to Flint is brought to you by the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, who is proud to bring the Western lifestyle and outdoor enthusiasts together for conservation projects, enhancing elk habitat, and ensuring the future of America's hunting heritage. Visit rmef.org for more information. Thanks for listening, and enjoy this episode of According to Flint. Well, welcome to episode number 32 of According to Flint as we work our way through the PBR season, heading into the PBR World Finals as we record this podcast. Happy to have with me, he's a 10-time PBR World Finalist, bull owner, TV personality, Leanne's husband. Is it true? Were you the 1994 PBR Rookie of the Year? Is that right? There wasn't no rookie in 94. It was 95. 95. And I went to 13. 13. Okay, see, I Googled somebody. And they were wrong. But one, hey, one place I went, J-Dub, said you were the 2002 world champion. So you might go with that one, too. <laughs> I wish they'd send me my buckle. Your buckle and your million. Now it's a million dollars. What the hell? Yeah, so, wouldn't have been a million back then. It was the year before they started giving the million. Yeah, of course. But yeah, no, I didn't win the world. No. I won the world finals. I get that oh, all the time. World the, this guy's world champion. I'm like, that'd be my little brother. Hey, yeah, and but hey, I don't think we do. Sometimes I do want to go to our in-arena announcers who do a great job, don't get me wrong, where they'll say he was the PBR World Finals champion. I think that needs to be clarified a bit. I don't know that we always do a real good job. I think the layperson in the crowd, when you say PBR World Finals champion, you know, Marco Aguchi was. I think Ryan Dirty. Yeah. That's not the world champion. That's confusing to people, right. I think. So... Nah, well, whatever we can do, so <laughs> everything's really confusing. Thir- okay, so as long as they thir- say champion and not chump, I'm all right, or whatever yeah. they call me. 13 time PBR world finalist. There you go. Uh, yeah. We talked last week, I mentioned it to you out on the street. We were, we both made some comment about getting old, and it was years ago. And I brought this up to you that somebody said how old you were, and I said. Is that all the older J.W. Hart is? And Cody Lambert stepped in. He said, hell, he's been around making a living at this since he is 14. You've been around a long time. What would be, when do you think that age was that you can say, being a bull rider is what paid all my bills? 14, 15. Really? Probably, yeah, 14, 15. I was going, I went to, I didn't go to no high school rodeos because they didn't pay no money hardly. I mean, you get on around here, you get on the same bulls at the high school rodeos that you would at the open rodeos and the open bull rides thing. So, um, the open bull ridings and little rodeos pay seven, eight hundred, maybe a thousand bucks to the winner. And I could ride the same bulls at the high school rodeo and win 125. Right. So it didn't make sense to me. So I went to the rodeo. <laughs> so, so you never, you never had a high school rodeo experience, went to the nationals, went all that no. college rodeo, none of that. <laughs> Was, no, I, was was it a family deal? Did you, I can ask you this because I don't know. Did you feel like you were riding bulls? Was there pressure to support your family a little bit? I mean, what was, 
How, what was your situation there? I, I, that, I don't mean that to be crap. No, I'm, you know what? I'm pretty proud of it actually. Yeah. Um, it's been brought up and, and some people try to bring it up as like, I was doing something that I shouldn't have been doing as a kid. You know, my parents should have been this or should have been that. But when the old field, my dad was big in the old field. So when the old boom crashed, we crashed really. And it went bad for, I don't remember how many years there, but it was pretty thin around our place. So I, I missed a lot of school to go hunting to help feed the family. Mm-hmm. Um, we lived without electricity for a couple of years. Uh, so naturally when I got old enough to ride bulls and then make seven, $800 a weekend or 2000 a weekend. Yeah. It helped. It helped, uh, survival mode really. Yeah. <clears throat> Is that a, I, I watch different guys and I, I bring it up a lot in interviews with guys who, become uh dads you know you see young bull riders and they have a new baby and i always ask them does that hurt you or help you does it put it in perspective some guys rise to the occasion with pressure some guys fold you must have been i mean you say now you're proud of it at the time were you proud of it did it make you better or did you what what do you think i don't know i don't know that i realized it at the time to be honest with you i was just riding bulls and um, that, that's what I wanted. I wanted to go and they let me go. And, and a lot of times we didn't have money, you know, for my parents to haul me to them rodeos that were three hours away or six hours away. So I got in a truck as 14, 15 year old kid getting in a truck with 20, you know, mid twenties mm-hmm. guys. So it's kind of a, <laughs> I wouldn't send, I wouldn't <laughs> send my, my, when Wacey's 15, uh-huh. I would not send him yeah. with, a 25 year old like McBride or myself or, you know, anybody for that matter to go to rodeos because the stuff that I was exposed to was crazy. And I, luckily I was, my dad scared me to death that if I ever done drugs, not only would I get arrested and go to jail for the rest of my life, he'd beat me to death before I got there. So I never worried (laughs) about when they, when them guys would go to, would be in a van that I'll go to the front and cloud the front. I'd be at the back with my head under a pillow. So Huh. What? Hey, okay. Now I can't, now, now you've put me that aside. I, my next thing as you were talking was, do we know any of those 20, 25 year olds, that stuff aside, was there anybody significant in your life? 2020 that you traveled with that later ended up you rode with, or was a hero of yours? Now I'm curious. Uh, n- not that I got in the truck with when I was 14, 15, yeah. 16, uh, everybody knows uh, Rodney Lidgard, Hubcap. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did get to travel with him one time when I was about, I uh, probably 15 or 16. So that was pretty cool to me because he was kind of one of the guys that, you know, went to the rodeos and things that you see and uh, rode with, you know, against Cody and Ty and them guys and tough and, and but now when I got 18, me and my little brother did get in a van with Ty, Cody, and Tuff and <sighs> went to some bull ridings one time. And I was just 18. I would, no, I would I'm sorry, Cody, because Cody was 18, so I'd have been 20. So How was that? What was, in general, <laughs> in general, what was the experience of those three turds? <laughs> it was pretty, it was pretty cool. Like, I was pretty off, like, at all, you know, because, Tough was tough. Ty yeah. was Ty and Cody was Cody. 
and we got in the van going to Montgomery or Birmingham, maybe. And uh, of course, they gambled everything, like dinners, fuel, everything was a gamble. Uh-huh. And me and Cody, we didn't have no money. We was right new on tour, and first thing we do, we stop at a Denny's, going out there. Well, order, and they play the numbers game. Yeah, Cody, Co- Cody loses. Well, if Cody loses, I lose. We was paying our money was one. So we lost, had to buy all their dinners. Really didn't have money to buy the dinner. We get to the bull ride and do whatever. Well, they give us checks or not cash. So we're coming home, stop at the exact same Denny's, coming home. We gamble a order, gamble again, I lose. So needless to say, we showed back up in Texas with no money. <laughs> What a what a we bunch! Checked, but we didn't I know mean, cash. I, it, this sounds harsh, but what a bunch of dicks! I mean, and I can see. Well, it was fair and square. It, we didn't have to play, but well, our, true. Buddy, our heroes were saying, "You want to gamble?" We're like, "We'll gamble." Ty, I can just hear Ty. Hey, man, we gonna you gonna buy? And, oh my gosh, that's funny. Hey, what? if they if they just said, "Hey, we're gonna run this van off this cliff. You want to go with us?" With yeah, it's got airbags. Let's go. <laughs> Hey, did you, do I remember, check me if I'm wrong. I thought of this as you were talking to them about them. Did you have a Lane Frost connection when you were young? What, yeah. what was it there? It seems like I saw a picture somewhere. I'll, if you went to the back of the story, the first, first time I ever seen was the 1985 national finals rodeo at Kent's round. And his first guy to make the whistle and that go around. I, he's 85 points on a bull called Davo get that yeah so i kind of took a liking to him like this first time i'd ever seen him ride but i i liked it and junior rodeo with some other guys jacus white and some guys from Matoka and lane they're like we're talking they're like we know that guy he comes to our house and gets on all the time and we're friends and so i'm like well i want to meet that guy so they called my folks one time and we went up and, and uh, he got on some practice pools i don't remember where he was going but we went up and and got on some bulls that day and uh, just kind of hung out and got to meet him and then got to be pretty decent friends with him. Um, and then later on, um, I got a pair of shaps from him and wore those for years, wore them out. I should have put them up. But yeah, you don't, have, you don't have them still? Oh, yeah. Oh, you do have them? Yeah, I still got them. What are they? What do they look like? They're uh, They're pink. They're in top of my closet. I can get them, but we'll go to commercial break. I'll <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> that's interesting. I, I, I mean, that's yeah. little did you know, you know, it's, uh, people love anytime, you know, I had Cody Lambert on here a few episodes ago. He beat you to it. <laughs> McBride and him were both on this before you were. So it just yeah. that makes you feel better. I know uh, where I stand. Yeah. But it's right. interesting because Cody, to this day, you know, he'll start telling stories about him and Tough and Lane. There's something about that and probably from Hollywood and different things. There's something, even myself, being in this world, it it glues me. It, it intrigues uh, I'm, me. I'm the same. I went, when I'm, with, I'm around Cody quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And when, he t- when a story drops about Lane, how... He did something funny or did something bad or did something stupid. I, I just drop yeah. and listen. And it's a mesmerizing. Um, and it's it, still to this day, like 
I was, I think I was, well, met him in 86. So I'd have been 11 when I met him and, uh, and he passed away and I think I was 14. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have a lot of time around him, but what I was, it was just, uh, the m- magnet that he was, was, and the influence that he has on, <clears throat> that he still has on tough eating in the day, the influence that he still has on Cody today or Ty or, or me and the influence that he has on people that not even alive till 30 years later, you know, or 15, 20 years later, they don't, they never met him, never knew him, never seen him, but they still, he still has an impact on people. It's crazy. It changed the way it changed the way that society, not just cowboys, but society looks at the rodeo world. I think it completely changed and brought attention to how cowboys operated, how they hopped in a car, drove all night. By the way, the one I found the best was when Lambert said he didn't buck off much. You know, none of them did. But Cody yeah. or uh, Lane wouldn't buck off much. Mm-hmm. But when he did, they liked it because he'd get so mad he could drive like nine hours because he was <laughs> mad. So they just slept. It was like, yeah. oh, good. Lane bucked off. We get to Lane sleep. Lane bucked off. We all get to sleep tonight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and uh, as soon as he'd start getting tired, Cody said he'd look over and go, man, look to me like you just let go. You should have had him. And he'd get mad again, and he'd fall back to sleep, and he'd just drive down the road. That's one of the best stories is that he got bucked off of something that never got ridden very much. I don't remember what it was now. But Jim Sharp had just gotten the rig. <laughs> And he yeah. and he's asked Jim, so what does it look like happened to me or something? He said, and Jim just as dry and yeah, as he ever looks like he let go. And it just made him so mad. He's like, I'll never talk to that guy again. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I did hear that. Yeah, it looked to me like he just let go. So yeah, and Razor, and that's been, that's been that that saying has been passed on through generations of bull riders. Now that that knew that story, like. If, Justin asked me what happened. I looked like you let go. And it's it's funny, like you just don't express anything and just look like you let go. Didn't try and hard. It, it's like a quote from a movie that you forget what movie it came from. It's the yeah. Jim Sharp. I have requests a lot. I'll have people say, Why don't you have such and such on this podcast? You should get this guy and you know, people get Jim Sharp. Well, it wouldn't be very long. Like we'd be like 10. Do you think what do you think? People you know talk about funny? Jim Sharp. Do you think he'd open up? And how do you think it would be? You've talked. You talked to Justin already, and you talked to Cody already. So they made out this story. May I would have been the same way. But when we did the last Cowboy Standing with all the students and stuff, mm-hmm. and reality whatever show, um, we'd bring different guys in each week. We brought Jerome. We brought um, Clint Corey from winners from all different aspects of life, gotcha. not just bull riding. Mm-hmm. Well, one day we brought Jim in, and he he was pretty outspoken. Like when they got in the kind of closed area, and when there was cameras on, but he he opened up and and he simplified some things in his terms and his world of bull riding that even myself and Cody and Justin was like, and Ross even was like, that's crazy, yeah. That's that's how you're supposed to ride bulls. And huh. listening to him open up was pretty cool. Is that why he was so good? Because he made it so 
He had his Same own way, of, made it simple, had his own way of looking at it. And it was, and we all have our own ways and they might be a little bit out of context of how it takes to ride this kind of bull, but his was perfect spot on. And it was funny. He's, he's talking, he's talking about going forward and leaning back to bull, on bull riding. And he's like, I always want to lean forward. He said, but when them bulls tried to get me reared way back, he said, I wouldn't let them get me, but right here, I wouldn't let them get me back there. And he did. Yeah. And it was that simple. He said, this is all I would give them. We're talking about some of the rankest bulls in the world, Pacific Bell and, and whatever bulls. And he's like, I, this is all I'd give them. I wouldn't let them get my arms straight. I'd just give them this much. And in his mind, it he, was easy. I mean, that's, that's the answer. It really is the answer. To him, it's just you just do it. There's no big secret. It deal. didn't. Yeah. No, it was simple to him, and that's the way it was. I think he's probably the greatest of all time. That's funny because I tend to, in some form, with JB, Justin, Lambert. Shivers, Adriano. Yeah, usually at the end, I'll ask everybody on here. All right. Everybody, I don't care if I hear the question answered, but people watching this always want to know, who's the greatest you ever saw? Would you say Jim Sharp? Is he your answer? It's hard. You got to put him in the top. You got to put him on Mount Rushmore. The Mount Rushmore. And just. Yeah. Justin Tuff, Shivers, JB, Adriano, make it what you want. Yeah. You know, them guys are in different eras. Justin didn't have to ride against Donnie Gay. Right. Tuff didn't have to ride against Shivers, at, you know, to a relative ex, you know, ex, extent. Um, JB didn't ride against Jim Sharp. Mm-hmm. So, and they didn't ride the same bulls. Right. You know, the bulls are different today than they are back then. So you got to add that to JB's plaque and, and you got to take this off Jim's. But I think Jim would have just hung in his prime, would have hung with anybody, Every, probably been better than anybody. Else. That's what I think. I, I think probably the consensus with Jim Sharp is doesn't matter which bulls are which guys, he's right there in any era. Yeah. That's kind of. He, yeah, he, he would have rode today's bulls just like he did the best rankest bulls of that day yeah in uh, my opinion it i asked jb i asked Lam, i told lambert this too i asked jb who's the best bull rider you ever saw and he said you mean like in person seeing somebody and he kind of took it as not all time but the best rider he ever looked at in a moment did you, you know what his answer was lambert i think lambert guessed it or somebody guessed it he said brian Cantor. When they were young, he said in the moment when he was healthy and he said, that's the best he ever saw. He said, now it didn't turn out that way because health dictated what, where his career went. But he said when they were young, he'd never seen anybody ride like that. I thought that was interesting. That's pretty interesting. But my, my answer in person, like I seen, I seen Adriano ride in person. I seen Chris Shivers ride in person. Mm-hmm. I seen McBride ride in person. I seen Tough Eden ride in person. I seen Jim Sharp ride in person. Mm-hmm. I seen Donnie a few times, but not. I was young enough that right. I wouldn't have been able to uh, distinguish. But those other five, I seen every and rode against them. Yeah, and I seen Troy Dunn ride in person. Oof. So, yeah, I know. Me too. I, I. But it's funny when you when you start naming all the names. 
Because I always, I think I did it one time on one of my deals. It said the Mount Rushmore. So what's Mount Rushmore? Five? Is that five? Mount Rushmore? Whatever. Four. Four. Whatever. I can't. Then you throw in a Troy Dunn. Then it screws with my mind, you know? Yeah. And. And uh, a lot of people don't, don't ever even consider Clint Bronger because he was never world champion. Best to never win a world but, title. Yeah. But uh, there's a Cody Snyder too. It's mm. pretty dead gum salty. Yeah. And he will tell you. He'll tell you. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> he might be watching this action. <laughs> I love the guy. I like the guy. He tells it like it is, man. I, hey, we, we coached, uh, I think it was Glow World Cup back then. We coached different. Yeah. Hey, ooh, <laughs> we got I remember. a few times. And I just, it just tickled me because I could spin him out pretty quick. It's yeah. Pretty good. Well, weird. Yeah. I remember him in Australia at the World Cup and he'd have breakfast. There, the one in Brazil. Yeah. He, He'd have breakfast Mexico. with his guys, you know, just like a real coach. He treated them like mm-hmm. athletes, as it, as, I think, as it should be. Um, you mentioned it didn't work out for me always well. Yeah, well, that's, but he. I've heard other people talk about uh, Cody Snyder and how good he was, and it might have been Lambert telling me at some point. And he had a terrible hand or wrist. You can't even imagine mm-hmm. how good he'd have been, you know. Yeah, that. that's. And I was young enough that I just seen him ride personal, you know, a handful of times, but seen him on video enough and heard Cody talk about the wrist deal too. So, yeah. Uh, you mentioned the different eras of bulls and it's a topic comes up a lot and I, I I'm with you. I, I've been around a while. So I've seen the, from the, the mid to late nineties, those bulls, I think even in the last, well, uh, Jess Lockwood right here, he was on here before you too. Sorry. Um, he says even since in the four years or whatever that he's been here, five years, that long short round bulls have become long round bulls and the short round bulls. He says even in these four or five years, it's changed a lot. You agree on yeah. that? Yeah. Oh yeah. He he's right. But and here's here's the thing about the breeding programs of our of the ABBI and the bucking bull deal is the, the everybody's breeding for futurity calves. Now the little two yearlings, two year olds, three year old competition calves. Um, and when you see them just marking 96 sixes and really putting up big scores. And then, uh, by the time you get them to the bull riding where Cody's hiring them at these bull rides, you don't see them because yeah. they've done, we build them now, the futurity calves, to be this big and do this. Well, that don't transition into really bucking bulls later. And the calves, the bulls that we see today are the calves that didn't really work in the futurity system. It's too big. They did this. They did that. And they got turned out and kicked out. And then by the time they're four-year-olds, they're fresh. And that's the ones you see show up on tour now. You, hey, you could – and we'll keep going on this. You could – if we – edited that you could say that statement about you know my girls have been they don't barrel race as much as they used to but we'd be at places where there'd be a futurity people are breeding and training to to get a futurity colt where they my girls always wanted the rodeo horse that could haul down the road Mm -hmm. and those aren't always rarely are they the same i never thought of it with bulls like that Uh, it's the same way with with like uh i know justin rides a few cutting horses and and with just the ranch horses 
the best ranch horses, the reject cutters yeah. that didn't work as futurity type horses. So they get kicked out, they mature, they grow up, they, they stay healthy. And then a cowboy will buy them and turn them into ranch horses. And they're the best ranch horse yeah. on the planet, really. Those bulls are the same way. We don't burn them up as yearlings and two-year-olds. They get kicked out. They get to mature the bones, structures and stuff, joints and things. Well, then they show up as four-year-olds and they wind up going on to be bushwhackers because bushwhacker was terrible. Well, it wasn't good. Kid. Yeah. So uh, that's a good segue into what you what you do uh, in the bull business. You, you go a lot of, to a, a lot of our elite events in the PBR. You're around a lot. So is that more your philosophy? It sounds like is more. Let's look down the road here and breed down the road. Do your do your bulls and what you're doing breeding go back to a certain bull? Is there something you like? that accomplishes what you're trying to accomplish? I think HD does this certain ways and everybody, everybody's got their own deal, but we, I mean, we're, we play both. We play the futurity game and we try to raise bucking bulls where they're rodeo or PBR finals mm-hmm. um, and everything in between. There's gotta be, there's gotta be a high school bull. There's gotta be a futurity calf. There's gotta be a two-year-old, uh, futurity of Derby three, a classic four. And so you're, it's potluck. I mean, we've got 90 cows. We'll put, we'll put five different bulls on them, you know, five or six mm-hmm. different bulls on them. And yeah, we'll, we'll, this bull we want to put in and try to get our futurity type calves. This bull will be our big bucking bulls. And one might be the other one at the end of the day. You don't know, but yeah, Secretariat didn't raise no, Colts either. Yeah, not much. I mean, in the world of yeah, the Kentucky Derby, not real, not a great sire. And they they kind of hell my my family, my dad and brother have a couple grandson and granddaughter of Secretariat. You know, they kind of hoard him out and diluted yeah. dilute basically diluted his greatness and his reputation by doing that in a, mm-hmm. a little bit. But so uh, I didn't look because it wasn't something. I, I can't say I don't care. It just didn't wasn't something I wanted to look at yet. They have come up. Cody has put out the PBR World Finals list of bulls. Correct. I think mm-hmm. I saw that. Yeah. What do you? How many bulls do you get to take? Uh, we got three. What we call lease bulls. That they, that that's the only place they'll uh, show up. But then we have three in the classic finals. So 11, 11 of them will be at the PBR World Finals. Okay, so as but far as can, as far as drawing into a performance at the World Finals, eleven. Yeah, okay. Eleven. The three classic bulls are in the class, so they they kind of go under ABBI's blanket. Right. Okay. So so they're on yeah, the night. 11. They're on the night of classic bulls. Wednesday night and yeah. Saturday. Ugh, the night that we dread that because we ride less bulls on the classic. It's not like it used to be though. It's it's, it's a little different now. I, but I think. Why? I, yeah. I don't. I don't. I've, the guys. Good have, topic. Good topic. Go ahead. The guys have just got me confused. They don't like getting on the classic rules. Mm-hmm. Like why? That's they're young. They're gonna buck, and usually when they're three, four years old, they haven't gotten the experience to when you go to sticking them one direction to jump out and go the other. 
Right. When they hook it up, they're gone. They're doing it. They're going to keep fighting until you get off of them. That was when I was riding. That was the one. Hey, if he goes left, he goes. Once he goes, I just got to go that direction and keep up. Yeah, because those as they get older, I I try to explain that to people. Those older bulls, those guys start setting a trap into their hand and get in there. That bull, you can see him, and I'll be standing in the arena. Go here it comes. Here it comes. You can see them, bam, other way. So young bulls, they don't have that savvy they, yet. I, I and why them guys don't? When I, the last couple of years I rode, they was having the classics, and I go to them classics and stuff, and I, I loved it because I knew they was gonna buck because somebody paid fifteen hundred bucks to enter them, mm-hmm. and when they turned back, that was where they was gonna stay, and I could just kind of tune into that. And. The, the fine-tuning of the breeding and stuff, it used to... There was a time I always felt like a classic night, young bull night. They were unpredictable, and they were squirrely, and then they wouldn't leave the arena. And they, and that's not how it is anymore. That's... It, well, it, they, the, that's the problem with our guys today. All the Brazilians, if you're left-handed, you need them to go left. If you're right-handed, you need them to go right. And, and it's trickled down into our, the American side of the guys that they think they have to be like that. They got to ride with a Brazilian rope and they ride the way the Brazilians ride. Well, now they're getting one dimensional. If you're right handed, you really got to have them go right to stay on. They got to have them for left. They got to go to the left. And it just confuses the piss out of me that they, they do that, that mm-hmm. nobody's, you know, Jose's as good as they are either direction. Jess is good either direction. Cooper's good. Cooper that's is. why they're the top of the line. Yeah. That's why they're in the top. That's Who why else? JRB and I was gonna ask is you. not a world champion. Right, because he's got it figured out more now. You look at Joao JRV five years ago, it was spoken. He couldn't ride anything that turned away from his hand. Little better now, exactly. but it still get him, right? But he's really worked on it. Really had to concentrate and he moves his rope accordingly if he has one goes to the left he'll slide her down there where he likes it if he knows he's going right he'll move it up try to compensate for that direction then you're just a guessing game so if you move it up you, he moves his rope up there and then he goes left he's screwed going left yeah put it learn how to ride both directions mm-hmm. put your rope in the same spot every time i don't know <laughs> uh, hey, hey, I've, I know, listen, I've, I've watched how many thousands of bulls do you think I've watched? <laughs> you know, same thing. I'll watch guys and go, you see, it? I can see it coming. Like, so who else? And you I, can't I, explain it to them. You go yeah. to try to break it down, explain it to them. They look like you got eight eyes. Right. <laughs> it's pretty simple. If you can't ride one away from your hand, chances are you're not going to be the world champion. Do they care? Do a lot of pays good enough now they won't have to. Yeah. Um, I think you, it's a good topic. It's a good segue too about you once in a while. Uh, you did a uh, couple weeks in Manchester, New Hampshire. You do t- you do TV and you do it at the World Finals. I think sports fans in general and players, no matter what level, they don't want to always hear the truth. Do you find that like? If you try, if you say something on TV, fans will jump on. You can't say that about JB. You can't. Uh, I used to get it about Chris Shivers. I used to make fun of Chris Shivers because he looked twelve years old, and some lady jumped me about it. Well, I said it's true, but 
you tell the truth. You just explain stuff. You don't have much of a filter, do you? Uh, well, that's my mama <laughs> coming out in me. But, uh, you know, I don't get the negative deal from the fans much. They're all, they like it. They're like, mm-hmm. man, we like when you're on there because you tell them. And every now and then you'll get one that's – but it's usually the ones – I guess there's probably a lot of people that don't like it, but they're the ones that want to tell it to you or tell it to somebody else. They won't come tell you. Face. Right, exactly. And – but – bull riding but the bull rider side of it cooper's the only one that i can say something about that he don't like and he'll come (laughs) he'll come say something yeah but then we both agreed to look at each other and go well this is how i feel and this is why and this is why i feel and how and we're like still parts okay good talk good i can see that cooper i'll give cooper credit on that he is he, he does not hide. It, you always know how Cooper feels, I believe. And when, I, when I've called him out about turning out a rewrite or turning out a short go or something, I'm like, he's got to get on. If he don't get on, he's not going to win. If he don't win, he's not going to win a world title. And I got, my, I got my data to back it up. And then he comes, well, the reason I did this is because this. And, well, that's fine. Yeah. Your thumb's sore. But it's. But you're right. You're not going to win. You're not going to win. You're right. Your thumb's sore, but if you don't get on, you're not going to win. I'm right, too. So, Okay. Yeah. All right. See you tomorrow. Let's go have a hamburger. <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> Let's go get a beer. Let's go get a hamburger. When you, hey, when you get ready to, to do TV, and by the way, I have mentioned this a lot. McBride and I talked about it. Talk about a guy who came from absolutely nowhere near the Western sports world that leads you guys where you need to go, I think glues it all together. Craig Hummer. I mean, Hummer. I have fans try to come to me and go, we need another cowboy. That Craig Hummer. Like, nope. Wrong tree. Yeah, wrong tree. Same way. <laughs> it, but he does. It, but that's the play-by-play guy's job is to lead the color man, any sport, to where yeah. he helps you, right? Yeah. And I. that's the... Everybody that comes to me personally is like, man, you do a great job. You tell it how it is. And I, uh, that Hummer, that Hummer, and I'm like, yes. y'all don't see what he does to get us to that commercial break. You don't see what he does to get us in from a break. And it, he's never, they never cut him off. That, you know, the commercial never cuts him off because he's dead on, he's dead nuts on it. Yeah. I said, and these questions, I said, there's no, I'm sure maybe there is somewhere in the world someone does his job better than him or does my job or your job better than we do. But I don't know who it is. <laughs> Hummer's, Hummer's really good. He, really good. He has been, I always tell any fans that we need, he needs no cowboy hat. Well, nope. Nope. He's not and a cowboy. No, he's not You're a not cowboy. Dummy looking at cowboy yeah, I know I've thought of that. He'll, he'll have boots on. Like he has a pair of boots. I'm like, put your shoes back on Craig. Like and the, and the britches are about that big around the top of them. Yeah, but he has been taken in just the respect he has from the riders. That's what I tell fans. Hey, it ain't, if the riders all like him, you know he's doing something right. Behind behind Pro Bull stats, he's probably got better stats on rider and bull than anybody. Yeah, all the stuff he talks about comes out of his computer. He writes down his. When he shows up for bull riding, the first 40 guys, there's 40 pages. 
Yeah. And each page is individual to a guy and the matchup he has. If there's been a matchup, if there's not, it's a average scores, this guy comes prepared. Yeah. Well, what? so you know, when I do have him, I've talked to him to be on this. I'm going to tell him <laughs> that you were on before before him good so i just good. let's make it straight well if anybody comes on after this tell him i was on first no i will don't worry yeah so what speaking of that when you talk about craig hummer showing up he obviously he's the one with the script he knows when he's got to throw it to commercial he leads into the videos and and really i would imagine you're kind of hanging on to that to him to guide you through but but you don't just show up cold do you do you have any are you just saying, okay, I'm going to watch here and talk about what I see? Or do you come in with certain things, points you want to get across? Or are you like me? You're reading the room, saying whatever you're seeing. Mine, Mine's blank when I go in. If there's, a, if there's a handful of bulls in a row that I don't recognize, I may go stock, grab the stock contracts. I don't remember this bull. And then some of them I can't find. When I see them in the shoot, I, it – I know them, you know, every, uh, I don't have no notes. When I go in, I'm freelance. It's what I see and what I see is what you get. Um, I don't know if that's good or bad. but Well, no, I'm this, when I do my job, I'm kind of the same way. Because I, I just think it's a, you got to change with the situation. You got to talk about what's in front of you to relate to the mm-hmm. people because they're watching what you're watching. So, but there's only so many ways you can tell the crowd or the fans uh, that that guy was terrible. He let go. He jumped off. Yeah. It's tough. Agree. Agree. And still try to make it a professional, like, this is the best you can – we're the best. The PBR is the best. But when you tell them, this guy quit, this guy jumped off, this guy looked off, this guy bailed off, this guy didn't try, it's hard to sell it as the best in the world. Well, speaking of that, you probably don't remember this, but I've never forgotten it, and I've used it a lot. Years ago, I had a radio show, and I remember where I was sitting when I did the, it was a phone interview with you. You were a guest on my radio show. Well, you might have been sitting there. It was at the Windstar uh, in Oklahoma. and We were talking about you doing TV and, and talking about the sport in general, and you said, there's lots that goes on in this sport. And it's not all good. And we need to talk about that too. The The rodeo world especially, I'll go like to a rodeo, to the NFR. Every guy that comes out is the greatest guy in the world, a great man, a great husband, and he tries his hard. Oh, he gives it 100%. Don't let him leave empty-handed. Not always true. Not yeah. And I'll never forget, I believe, I, I think, and maybe it's what makes <laughs> us good. Western sports world, I think we shelter some things. You know, if an NFL guy gets suspended for drugs, they he's embarrassed because he gets suspended for drugs. Shh. We don't talk about that stuff. Uh, to this day, and I when I when the PBR was, and it was Cowboys made up the board back then. I, I always advocated for a drug test, drug screening. Um, now in the bull deal, I'm all about drug testing the bulls lie detector test we've started looking at that more um and i don't mean just test the winners test the field make it make it scared because i know back the way it used to be in the good old days there was a bucket of beer in the, in the 
locker rooms, mm-hmm. but not a lot of people messed with it till the bull ride was over. And then they'd have a few beers or whatever. But yeah. I've seen over the years, some guys get pretty drunk before they went and got on. And I don't think that's good. I've seen it in the For last, one, I've seen it in the last month. Yeah. Well, you I know. know, but, but I'm telling you, if, if I get drunk and I get on and I get hurt, head injury and I go to the hospital who's going to tell them that hey he's drunk when he got on they got to take care of you a different way mm-hmm. if you're if you're inebriated when you got a head injury or they're what they can or can't do to you so I I think there should be regulations on it yeah um the I've I've dealt with where where riders have gotten suspended or sent away and dealt with fans. That's BS that the PBR did that. And I'm like not allowed to say anything. Like, I don't know what to say. Yeah. If, if I, if I'm got a bull there that tests hot for steroids, I should be reprimanded. I should be put on a blacklist and I should, the, the world should know to not come buy cattle for me. Cause it may, it may be hot. So, and I'm not saying there's a lot of it out there, right? But there, there's, I don't, I don't think we're running in a world that we're 100 percent clean anywhere. Football, baseball, bull riding doesn't matter. If there's that much money, somebody's gonna be trying to get the edge. Maybe I do. I have a policy. I've never drank the day, you know, like like you said after. But not before. And so I have people joke to me about, it. man, you ought to drink a few beers. I'll bet you'd be funny. No, I wouldn't. I'd be out of breath, scatterbrained, and say something stupid. And it's not right. It's not. I never want my body yeah, to think do that that's sober. Good. Yeah, hell, I do that all the time. I don't need, I don't need any help. <laughs> yeah, <all right. laughs> Just think how good I'd be on TV if I could have a couple of beers. Uh, over, ooh. over a head in a trash can. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, did, did, uh, your body dictate the end of your career or were you ready to be done or both? It's crazy. I think if my body had felt better, I would have felt different about it. But people's like, you miss it. I really don't. Mm-hmm. I get, I get to go to bull ridings. I get to jack with these bulls and I still bump shoulders with the bull riders and contractors and I get the smell and the feel. And, um, the only thing I really miss, and I said this on a, some deal that the PBR came did in video here is put my hand in that bull rope. The, Cause that don't hurt. <laughs> for one, I can put my hand in there. I can grip that rope and I can put it on that bull's back and somebody pull it tight. That was, that's when, when you stuck your hand in a rope, and you tied yourself to him. That's that's when the moment changed, and I, I miss that—the feel of that rope coming down tight near you. Yeah, I miss that part, but I I really don't miss riding. Even when we did the one in Decatur, um, you know, we got on our bulls for the last time there. It, it didn't feel the same. It didn't feel the same. I didn't want it to feel the same. Um, it was good to do it. I wanted to do it because Wacey would been wanting me to get on one. Dad, I want to see you ride a bull, and YouTube wasn't doing it for him. <laughs> and I thought for a year or two before that, I thought, well, I'll get on one in the practice pen around here, you know, for him and let him see me ride one or 
you know, jump kicker or something. But then the guys from Decatur come up with that concept. And I decided when we all decided to do it, I was going to do different. I was going to get in shape, better shape than I was the last three years of my career. I cut 25 pounds. And I thought if I'm going to do it once, I've got to be that example for my, my son. Huh. If you're going to do something, you got to do it right. If you're serious enough, you got to get it done. So I'm glad I done it, but I wouldn't, I don't want to do it again. What is the biggest residual health issue that daily you feel from being a bull rider? Speaking of that. Well, I got to, <laughs> when I get up in the morning, I don't just bend over to raise the toilet seat. I squat down to get it. Uh, uh, what is so, do you have bad hips yeah hips and low back that's really bad my neck don't bother me i broke my neck when i was 18 but it don't bother me like it don't ever hardly give me troubles uh shoulders never had bad shoulder injuries but they're a little squeaky you know catchy when i sleep on them too wrong yeah you know long for too long um but Get up in the morning, the hips and the back is what was my problem. With hips, <clears throat> there's so many groin injuries in bull riding. Does the hips, is that tied to that? Is that all kind of one deal? I, I don't know. Um, I, I tore both my groins at, at different times. Um, but I did, I did, and I said this about Jose the other day, and Hummer was like, oh, my God, you're so, you, everything you're saying come to pass in time after the initial tear, half tear of his. Um, I got lucky, and both times I pulled mine, I tore them completely into gone. It was a four-week rehab, two weeks of doing nothing, two weeks of stretching, and and I never had another problem with them. I've known lots of people that, that partial tears and things, and they have trouble with them for the rest of their career. Huh. And it leads to protecting that one just like Joe they getting on a practice protect, trying to protect that sore one tore something in his abdomen. Yeah. I'm not, and I, and I talked to Tandy back years and years ago. I was like, well, talking about somebody had part. I said, why don't you just go in there and cut it, cut it on like to where it'd be like mine. No, no. And a lot of people's got the same thing. And he said, it wasn't the same. You can't do that. Well, I, I don't understand. <laughs> if it's yeah. not there, it can't be pulled. So go cut them. But I don't know. Uh, since you you do are an analyst, so to speak, on TV, and you just brought him up, he's been Jose Vitor Lemmy's been the talk of the year, and me too. I get excited. I'll tell you, this summer when he was riding everything, it really reminded me of back when JB would get he got on a roll, like the one year he won the world title, and every time, for one, you step sit forward. And the other thing is, in your mind, you just know he's going to ride it. They're just, you just know. What? Tell me, kind of a general feeling, Jose Vitor Lemmy. What? What are your thoughts on him in general? Um, I think he's got a shot at being one of the best ever. But it, to me, to be that Mount Rushmore, you got to have longevity. And he's only, to me, he's only of that prime. Is a couple of three years in, three or four maybe. I mean, and that may be long enough for some, but um, he's pretty special. 
really special. He's a specimen. And that's the difference between yesterday and today's bull riders is yesterday where you talk about Donnie Kay, Lane Frost, Tough Edeman, them guys, uh, plum up in the even Justin's era mm-hmm. and Shivers, wasn't a whole lot of gym time. And now these guys are specimens. They, they're just, they're zero body fat and they're just, they stay in the gym. But I think that also plays into the injury deal. I think they're so finely tuned that injuries come a little easier. They're not as flexible. They're not this or that. Um, and, and I don't want to throw Lockwood under the bus, but he was, he was medically cleared two months ago or so, two and a half months ago. You're healthy. You can go back to riding. And he's elected not to. That wouldn't, that would never happen around our right. era or group of guys. I can go back to riding and I'm gone. Usually four weeks early. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I, um, <clears throat> you brought up Wacy, your son. That he's a baseball player. He's a uh, crocodile roper, <laughs> a gator roper <laughs> down in Florida last Jack winter. Ball trade. Don't don't tell him in Florida we roped a gator. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, he didn't. Tr- he tried. There. How's that? Um, you are don't in your. In. You are in your house. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> the ticket will be worth it. Yeah, I, know. No, it I know. It's like having a it's like having a speeding ticket. It says two hundred on it. You hang it on the wall. Yeah. You get a ticket for harassing alligators in the wild. You hang it hang on, it the, on wall. the wall. Good for weight. Yeah, that was funny. The pond Brain. behind the arena. I can't even remember which one it was, but oh, that was it made me laugh. But uh, earlier when we were getting this figured out, I don't think it would surprise everybody to know that you needed your wife Leanne to get all the technology figured out to do this interview i got a 22 year old guy over here doing the same thing she's with your kids homeschooling i i never i mean i always knew you but i think i know i look at you different when i look at you and leanne and all those kids that scares me you look at me different now well i it's a i have a i have a i have a bigger respect for you and the kind of heart you have, all those kids, you got wait, you got two. I mean, who else gets to have two kids that are six months apart in age, right? I mean, so so what do you got in I that? I might have, I might have some closer than that somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> how many fully adopted, and how many in Eight. a pro? They're all fully adopted. Yours. See, I I'm behind. Yeah, they all. They're all last names heart. Yeah, it's official. Uh, see, I and mean, that just happened about uh, what about eight months ago? Seven, eight, six, eight, seven, eight, nine months ago. I can't remember, but uh, the the last the last three are full siblings to Littlefoot. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, that that I don't know how much we can say or not say, but the parents were not good people and we had to fight um some serious stuff through to get those three out of a terrible situation terrible situation the terrible list situation for little girls and i I just just, but yeah we love them they're great and yeah they're great 
<laughs> well, I look at you different. I, I mean, that's the ultimate thing is to be a good dad. You know, my girls, I, I die yeah. for them, you know? Um, oh well, yeah. Feel for mine. Yeah. So uh, you can't, your wife, Leanne, great singer for years. We've known her. She sings the best anthem we can have, but, uh, man, her heart's in a good place with all those kids, isn't it? She, she, you got a good wife, Dub. Yeah, she, I hate to brag on her sometimes, but we started trying to have kids maybe on honeymoon night, maybe probably I did, <laughs> but four years we went trying and didn't have no luck. So she's like, I want to think about adoption. I'm like, all right, whatever. I'm cool. Woo. <laughs> Six of them later. Huh? Yeah. I'm like, hell, we get two more. We can have eight man football. <laughs> Hey, we play six man in Montana in some places. You're I'm, good. I'm in. You're good. <laughs> I'm yeah. in. Yeah. Um, well, I just, I, I just, when I said I look at you different, I, there's a lot of things I've learned about guys that I've kind of traveled with through the years. I look at Cody Lambert different nowadays. You know, he's not, he's not as big an asshole as he wants everybody to think he is. You know, well, that's correct. Yeah. Sometimes he, he can, he can sure be, but it's a, it's a game to him. That's what's yeah. funny. He's like, He'll he'll talk to you one way and then walk around the corner and just snicker and laugh and yeah. think it was funny and <laughs> no. He's hey, me and that me and that guy has been at each other's throats before and then go eat lunch together. So yeah. He he's tried the uh, chew me out in the arena before. Listen, we're and I've walked up to him points and he's got that and he got weird finger. He's got that weird finger. Like he'll yeah. buck a bull during when I'm in the middle of like a promotion sponsored deal, and I'll walk up and say, listen, you know, I'm doing this and he'll jump back at me and, uh, and I'll walk away. I'll walk up there the next commercial and he go, did I do that right? Flint? Did I? And he'll giggle like, damn it. Yeah. It's a game. Hey, I, r- I run the shoots at the finals one year and uh, I don't know what now. It was, it was like a Thursday night or Friday night, whatever. And I run the shoots and he come at, at the next, the next that night afterwards he's like you should run this performance he was in the uh truck doing replays he was a replay judge so he had to stay in the truck and he was i mean he chewed me out like this bull riding's got to go off faster you took too long and i'm like hey whoa all right so the next night they don't even have the pyrotechnics out of the out of the arena we ain't even come on tv yet shane proctor was the first bull rider and i sent him i'm like and they're bucking him. And Jerome Robinson's coming. Hey, we, we're da, da, da. I think like, I remember that. Call your boy Lambert. <laughs> <laughs> Tell him, I, I careful think, who he grabs at. I, I think I remember that because us in production are going, what the hell is happening? Like That was me. Uh, good. Congratulations. Hey, now. Yeah. Through Cody Lambert. <laughs> well, now that you're on TV, you realize what a disaster that created. Not really. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> you got to weigh stuff out. Yeah. And it weighs, still, to this day, it weighs out. It Like my man Clint Atkins says, is the juice worth the squeeze? Is the juice worth the it squeeze? It was, I promise Because <laughs> <laughs> I told them, they come away and drone, we can't be bucking bulls yet. This, we still got to get the pyrotechs. We got four minutes. And I'm like, call Cody. Tell him that one's for him. <laughs> I won't say what else I said. But I said, shove it up. His- yeah. Yeah, I got you. I, I got a I got a good imagination on that. So, well, listen, um, 
I, I surely wanted to bring up at the end of this conversation, your kids, I respect you and Leanne. I just respect what kind of parents you are. And the good thing is I'll, I'll tell you what means the most to me is when your kids come around, they, they know how to act and they're good kids. They, I mean, Wacey, he's a turd, but he and I get along good. He, for a year, I never saw a kid that wanted a little floofy Wrangler yellow stress ball as bad as that kid. Like, yeah. I'm like, Wacey, you're hauling bulls here. Your dad's J-Dub. You go wherever you want, and you want an 18-cent stress ball. That's all he ever wanted from me. He stressed out. He is. He needed something. He needed to help his anxiety. Stressed out. <laughs> he was seven, yeah. seven, eight. He stressed he out. He stressed out. We put a lot of pressure on those kids nowadays. Yeah. So, Well, listen, uh, I love the insight. Love listening to you on TV. Most, mostly uh, just like not long ago in Manchester when we – uh, walked out, walked to the arena together. I like to see you. It's always good to see you, man. So I, I, I appreciate your time. I know you're busy. So the people knew, know when at the time we recorded this, you said it'd be easier if it was before the sun came up or after it went down, but too bad. I got you for it's, an hour. It's daylight outside. We're burning daylight. <laughs> Thanks buddy. It's good to see you. Yes, sir.